problems bigger than all my fears. God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than all my questions, bigger than anything. God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than all the shadows that fall across my back. God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than all my confusion, bigger than anything. God is bigger than any mountain that I can cannot see. Bigger than all my problems, bigger than all my fears. God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than all my questions, bigger than anything. God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than all the giants, fear and unbelief. God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than all my hang-ups, bigger than anything. God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than all my problems, bigger than all my fears. God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than all my questions, bigger than anything. God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Bigger than all my problems, bigger than all my fears. God is bigger than any mountain that I can cannot see. Bigger than all my questions, bigger than anything. God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. absolutely the truth there's no problem too big for God I'm, I'm sure this morning that uh, there are those here right now that have has experienced that uh, a lot in your life God is is bigger than anything and I'm, I'm so thankful for that the problem is when we see a big problem and then we compare that to a, a little God but our God is mighty and he's the great creator he created this universe he just spoke it into existence so think about that if, if he can do that imagine what he can do uh, with our lives if we'll just trust him he won't force his way on us but we've got to trust him and that's my prayer is that we'll do that we'll trust him even this morning is an opportunity to come and to worship the Lord and and trust him trust in the true and living God he is supreme he's worthy this morning and he's faithful he's able and I'm grateful for that I'm so thankful that when I think about my God and all that the Lord has done he's promised to never leave us and never forsake us and if I'm not close to God right now like I ought to be, it's not, it's not God's fault because He hasn't moved. 
And maybe perhaps if we've kind of moved a little bit, I pray that we'll move right back to where we need to be and have a close relationship with the Lord. There's nothing like it. There's no dollar amount in this world. There's nothing in this world that can compare to knowing the Lord. And we talked a little bit this morning in our Sunday school about spiritual disciplines and about prayer and about reading God's Word and about worship. All of this helps in keeping us where we need to be with the Lord and helping us to be close with God. And I want to be as close to God as I can be. I want to know the Lord, and that's what makes all the difference in the world. And so I encourage each of you this morning, we have this privilege to meet together to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that we'll just see God high and lifted up, see Him able, and that we'll trust Him this morning with whatever it is maybe that we have perhaps been holding on to, that we'll just let go and release and trust it with the Lord today. And, and I know that God will bless. He always blesses when we trust Him and when we obey Him. I pray that we'll do that today. And I welcome you this morning to Liberty First Baptist Church. What a beautiful day God has made. And, and uh, this is the day that the Lord has made, and we can rejoice and be glad in it. And I pray this morning that that's the desire of our hearts, is that we want to rejoice in the Lord and worship Him today. And there's nothing like it. I'm glad that you're here. Those of you watching online as well, we're so glad that you're joining with us. And if you're here this morning and you're visiting with us, uh, we are so glad that you're here. And I especially want to welcome you to Liberty First Baptist Church. And if you received a bulletin, uh, attached to that bulletin is a visitor's card. And I want to ask if you would just please take a few moments and, and fill out the information on that card so that we can get to know you better. And also, uh, if you have a special request this morning, uh, we want to pray with you about whatever request might be weighing heavy on your heart. Uh, maybe as, as we just sang about how God is bigger than all our problems. And, and you're here this morning and you're saying, I want to believe that. Lord, help me to believe that. Well, we want to pray with you about whatever it is that might be weighing heavy on your heart this morning. Even if it's unspoken, you just want to list unspoken. Uh, God knows the need. And I'm grateful that we can call on his name. And we want to pray with you uh, about that request. So uh, in just a moment, if you'll fill out that information, if you're visiting with us or if you have any prayer request, uh, the offering plate will be passed. And if you'll just take that and you'll just place it in the offering plate, and then uh, we'll receive that. Um, I want to ask you to do something. We, we did this uh, last Sunday night, but on Sunday morning, we hadn't done this in over a year. And I'm sorry to our musicians, because I haven't uh, let them know about this. But, um, but if you would, would you stand together and, uh, and tell somebody that you're glad to see them this morning? If you would just want to give them a fist bump or just a wave, you don't have to, you don't have to hug or touch or anything, but, but just, just tell somebody. Let's greet each other here this morning. So glad to see you.
Thank you so much. Man, I enjoyed that. It's good. I, I think you enjoyed it. It's so good to see you enjoying each other's uh, fellowship and greeting each other in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, I'm so thankful for this privilege to be together like this. And I just want to uh, share with you, just remind you that tonight we'll be moving our evening service over to Eastside uh, for Don Smith Jordan uh, concert there at 6 o'clock. And, um, and she's got a, a testimony she'll be sharing. Her, her sister was uh, tragically uh, murdered, and she'll be sharing about that and, and uh, will be uh, singing as well. And, and so, um, so we'll, we'll be there. Uh, and, and if anybody wants to sing in the choir, the choir will, will meet at 5 if anybody wants to do that. And then the service will start at 6. So uh, we will not uh, be here tonight. We'll be moving our service to Eastside at 6 o'clock. Also be in prayer for the nominating committee as, as, uh, as uh, they will begin uh, seeking the Lord and, um, and and of course we are encouraging you we want to hear from you um, we have our acts table over here do want to remind you about that a church that serves and uh, whatever area God might be laying on your heart we encourage each of you to be in prayer and we also have spiritual gift surveys if you would be interested in that and um, so just remember our nominating committee and our, and our acts table as well as we uh, look to a new church here and then uh, on August the 22nd in a few weeks uh, we're going to be having baptism, and uh, praise the Lord for that. Thank God for that. And uh, also we'll be having a deacon ordination service. Both of these will be in our morning service on the 22nd, so uh, I want to remind you about that. And then in the evening service on the 22nd, we'll be honoring uh, Tracy Christensen. She's our former uh, assistant preschool teacher, and um, she served for over 15 years here with our preschool. And so we're going to be recognizing her and then uh, having a fellowship after the service to allow former students and families, we invite them to come and, um, and maybe they want to just share a thank you to, to Tracy. And so uh, just want to remind you about that. And then men, please, uh, right now there's, it's, it's my family and Larry has signed up for the rib uh, dinner that we're going to be having. So we want you to come, men. I promise you uh, we'll be smoking those ribs in the... And, uh, and Jamie Murphy's uh, smoker that he calls uh, Ironhide, and um, and and we're going to have a he's going to be sharing with us and and uh, information's in the bulletin Monday August the 30th, and uh, there's a sign up sheet at the Welcome Center. I'd love to have you to come and be a part of of that with us. It's going to be a great night, and uh, we'll have a lot of fun, great fellowship, and I and I know uh, great food as well. So um, I just want to remind you about that. Please uh, sign up for that. Also, um, let's remember those um, who are in need this morning. Uh, got word that uh, Richard Ligon, uh, Scott's uh, dad, went home to be with the Lord. So let's remember the Richard Ligon family as we pray today. And, um, and then David was sharing with me in Sunday school about his brother, Tim. Let's remember uh, Tim Huff, uh, David's brother. Also, uh, Kathy Collins, this is uh, Stoney's mom, is, is in the hospital. I want to continue to remember them. And, um, and then uh, Alex was sharing with me a, a co-worker, a, a young man. Had, uh, had passed away, so we want to pray uh, for, uh, for, for, for this family as well. And uh, then I got word, uh, many of you know Tim Moore. Um, he's really been struggling. He's, he's, been, he's, he's battled this, this uh, journey of, of having cancer, and, and he's just really low right now. So let's remember Tim and also uh, his family as we pray this morning. And, um, and then uh, Scott Nally as well. Um, uh, he, he, is, uh, he has COVID, so we're praying for Jerry and Martha and Keeley and their family while they... Uh, quarantine and and I pray that they'll get better as well but uh, let's remember those that have procedures coming up I know we have those in our church family that'll have procedures and uh, what was that yeah my, my uncle Benny um, he is uh, he's in the hospital he's got um, uh, 
pneumonia in, in one of his lungs and, and also his wife Loretta. Let's please remember them this morning as we pray. And um, let's go to the Lord in prayer and call on the Lord right now. Ask for God's help. And again, it's so good to see each of you this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the sunshine outside. Thank you for the sunshine in our souls, most of all, Lord, through Jesus. Thank you for your amazing love and, Lord, for your faithfulness and your goodness. And, Lord, there's, there's folks that are hurting right now. And I pray, Lord, that you will comfort them as only you can. God, that you will be near to them and they'll sense your presence. And, Lord, it's, it's great to hear praise reports, Lord. And I thank you for that, Lord. You do answer prayer. But we also pray for those, Lord, that are going through difficulty right now. And, Lord, you are near. And I pray that you will comfort and we lift up those to you right now. Lord, those that have uh, procedures coming up, we pray for your mercy and grace. And, and uh, Lord, all the things that we have coming up in the life of our church, we ask God that you will bless. And, and Lord, that you will be glorified. And, and uh, I just pray that as we look to a new church here, God, that you'll just, just help us, God, to be willing servants. Lord, to be willing to, to serve you. Just like the, the lady with the alabaster box, Lord, who presented that costly ointment to Jesus and anointed Jesus with that Lord it was so costly but Lord you were worthy and she was willing God to sit at your feet and I pray that we'll have like faith Lord that we'll be willing to to serve you and surrender our all to you and and God that we will worship you and and see you high and lifted up and God that we'll pray and that we'll read your word and Lord that we'll get ever closer to you and and uh, have a close walk with you and Lord that makes all the difference in the world there's nothing that can compare to that Lord and we thank you for that and God I just pray you'll continue to bless us as we worship you help us Lord to be open to what you have for us today and may we place our faith in you and say yes to you today in Jesus name and all God's people said amen also in your bulletin you'll notice there's a remark there about the health care health ministry health kits I think it's how it's worded anyway um, this is for the fair workers. The fair will be coming to something normal again. <laughs> um, back to the Greenville Pickens Speedway in um, 1st of September, I believe it is. Anyway, if any of you would be willing to make up a bag, I've got two gallon bags here for you. Um, I think this cost me $8.84 to fill the bag. So if you'd be willing to, to take a bag, if you'll just... I'll leave the bags up here or just see me and we'll make sure you get a bag. I need these back by the 22nd and I'll take them to the uh, PBA that week. We're just a couple of miles from there. so. But this is our way of kind of reaching out into our community and, and helping with the ministries of the PBA. So if you'll just keep that in mind. And on the choir practice thing, um, they're not having a choir at Eastside. That's if you're wanting to practice here tonight if you're not able to make Wednesday night practices and want to come tonight we'll practice from 5 to 5 30 to give us time to lock up and head on over to Eastside tonight now with all of that said let's stand as we sing hymn number 135 nothing but the blood
turn over to 182. Our offertory will be, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning with thankful hearts, thanking you, dear Lord, for the blessings that you've poured out amongst our church family this past week. And Lord, we just ask you to pour out a blessing on our nation. Father, we pray for our leaders, Lord. We ask you to touch them, let them see you, Lord. Let them come to know you. Father, we just come now this time that we return to you a portion of what you've blessed us with. And Father, we just ask you to bless these tithes and offerings in your holy name. Amen.
Well, what a great message. Reminder that off Tory, I'd rather have Jesus. I pray that that's the desire of all our hearts this morning. Because only Jesus satisfies. If we, whoever, whatever we put in place of Jesus, it will leave us empty, longing for more. It might provide temporary satisfaction, but it doesn't satisfy like Jesus. And I'm grateful for our Lord and Savior that we can know him and uh, we can be satisfied with Jesus. And I pray that we would desire him above anything or anybody else. What a blessing that that is, that we can have that privilege. And I want to preach to you today a message entitled, Jesus Saves. We've heard the joyful sound, Jesus saves. And uh, that's great news. The best news of all that could ever be shared is, is uh, the fact that Jesus saves. So if you'll turn with me to Mark chapter 15, uh, we're uh, continuing our summer series and, and uh, it, it's, it's coming to an end here, but, um, but we're looking at Mark chapter 15 and um, we'll be focusing on verses 27 through 39 of Jesus saves uh, this morning. We're going to be looking at some realities of what Jesus did for us that we find in this passage that makes it possible for the fact that we can know Jesus and be saved this morning. I pray everyone here today that you, you have it settled in your heart. You know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if that's not the case, then I pray that today will be the day that you'll trust the Lord as your personal Lord and Savior. On uh, November 7th, 1940, the Tacoma Narrows Bridge collapsed in the Puget Sound. The bridge was susceptible to the vibrations caused by the wind in the Sound's channel. Bridges make it possible for us to access what was once inaccessible. You know, they're more than just getting from point A to, to point B. They also allow commerce and and also to be able to, you know, to get to people so that the people that we have relationships with and and so it, it, it's, it, you know, bridges um, make that possible. Uh, today, here in Liberty, when we think of bridges, we think of the Highway 93 bridge near Ingalls. And uh, how many times, you know, what, it takes me a while. I'm a little slow. But how many times have I uh, headed toward Easley and I think, the bridge is out. And uh, so then you've got to go, you got to take the underpass and, and uh, blow the horn. And hopefully the, the car that's coming will blow their horn, you know, right? Uh, or maybe you just... You know, now maybe it's better to go down to Hardy's and hit 123. But, uh, but you know, the value of bridges makes things accessible. And, um, and, and I know that this, this bridge uh, here in town was evidently was deemed unsafe. And so I'm grateful that we know that before the fact as compared to after the fact. So certainly, um, you know, we, I, I know that it's in the long run it's going to be uh, the best case. But, uh, but spiritually... Only one bridge makes it possible for us to cross from death to life. I'm talking about everlasting life by faith in Jesus. And that bridge is Jesus. His name is Jesus. He died for our sin. And He alone saves. And that's a big deal because our sin is our greatest problem. That's man's greatest problem. Because our sin separates us from God. Alienates us from God. We're on our own because of our sin. We're not all God's children. We must be adopted into the family of God to be a child of God. And sin separates us from God. But praise the Lord that Jesus willingly laid down his life and he's the bridge. Apart from Jesus, there's no access to God. He's the only way, the only truth, the only life. And the good news is, is that though we have a sin problem, thank God, we have a solution. And we have uh, the plan of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and I can share with you today 
that Jesus saves. We don't have to be lost in our sin and undone in our sin and on our own and alienated from God with, with no future, with no hope. Praise the Lord for the bridge, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the previous verses here in, uh, leading up to, uh, uh, to Mark chapter 15 describes Jesus' crucifixion and his death. And I want us to focus this morning on four realities about the greatest demonstration of love this world has ever known that leads to salvation for all who will believe. Yes, Jesus saves. So look, look with me here in Matthew, or I'm sorry, Mark chapter 15 as we begin in, uh, in verse 27. With him they also crucified two robbers, one on his left and the other on his, or one on his right and the other on his left. So the scripture was fulfilled which says, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also, mocking among themselves with the scribes, said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. Even those who were crucified with him reviled him. Now when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood by when, when they heard that said, Look, he is calling for Elijah. Then someone ran and filled a sponge full of sour wine, put it on a reed, and offered it to him to drink, saying, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus cried with a loud voice and breathed his last. Then the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. So when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that he cried out, like this and breathed his last he said truly this man was the son of God let's pray together Heavenly Father we thank you Lord for your word it is true we know that it's forever settled in heaven it's, it's inspired of God it's inerrant it's infallible and I thank you for the truth that we see this morning in this portion of scripture and I pray that it will go forth this morning Lord it will penetrate our hearts today and God, that you will speak. And God, that we will respond and place our faith in you. Doing whatever it is that you lead us to do. Lord, I pray for no distractions. Lord, as we look at this incredible demonstration of your great love to us. I pray that, Lord, you'll speak. And God, that all of us will see that you love us with an everlasting love. And, and you prove that love. That while we were yet sinners, you died for us in our place. It should have been us. But I thank you that you willingly laid down your life. And Lord, I pray that you'll speak. God, that we'll say yes to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, look with me uh, here in verses 27 and 28. And I want us to see that first of all, the first reality that we find here in this passage that Jesus saves is that Jesus was crucified. Now, we know that crucifixion was a Roman form of execution that was intended to be a slow, painful death. And it was intended to send a, a strong message to any rebels and other threats to the empire, making an example of those that were executed by crucifixion. It was intended to humiliate the one that was, that was being executed. 
And, and so they died a slow, painful death for all to see. There they, there they were, uh, put on display for any who wanted to follow their path. And there they were publicly being uh, uh, humiliated uh, by crucifixion. Uh, since there were two thieves on either side of Jesus that we see in verse 27, that meant that there was a crucifixion that was already scheduled. And Jesus was simply substituted for the murderer Barabbas. Think about that. The innocent dying for the guilty. They, they cried out, crucify him, crucify him. And they chose Jesus over Barabbas. They let a murderer go free. That one was on his right and that one was on his left ironically recalls the selfish request of James and John to be on either side of, of Jesus uh, in places of honor as, as we look back a few weeks ago in, in, uh, in John or Matthew chapter 10. Uh, they requested, let us be on your right and left. And, and ironically, it was two thieves that was actually on either side of Jesus. And that shows us that holding places of honor might entail great suffering. And it certainly did here in this case. Just as Jesus implied in verses 38 and 40 of, of uh, chapter 10. Jesus willingly faced death. The innocent for the guilty. And ultimately, our behalf. Jesus was completely sinless. He was, he was innocent. He was not guilty. It's you and I that were guilty. And he didn't have to do what he did, but he did it willingly. They didn't take his life. He willingly laid down his life for you and me. He was crucified, demonstrating his great love for you this morning. There's nobody here today that can say that God doesn't love you. You say, how can you say that, Pastor Mark? Because take a long look at the cross. The old rugged cross shows God's great love for you. Jesus willingly faced death, and he ultimately died for you and for me and for our sin as we see this morning. Some earlier manuscripts don't include verse 28. Maybe you've got a, a different um, translation. I'm reading from the New King James, and, and perhaps the NIV doesn't have verse uh, 28. And, and the reason for that is that, um, that some uh, earlier manuscripts doesn't have verse 28. But verse 28 is similar to Luke chapter 22 and verse 37. And, uh, and because later manuscripts do, that's why some translations have verse 28. Uh, but Luke 22 verse 37 states very similarly to verse 28, Jesus being crucified between two criminals fulfill Isaiah's prophecy in Isaiah chapter 53. When you think about Jesus dying for you and him being crucified in your place, oh, I encourage you to read Isaiah 53 through 55. I encourage you maybe this week, uh, if you're looking, you say, Pastor Mark, what, what Bible verses would you recommend? Read the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 53, and maybe 54 and 55, and you'll be reminded of what Jesus did for us. And here this prophecy in Isaiah 53, 12 is, is being fulfilled of Jesus being numbered with the transgressors. There was one on his left and one on his right. And so even hundreds of years before, the prophet Isaiah was inspired to write about Jesus' crucifixion. Isaiah 53 was as if Isaiah had a front row seat and was there and saw for himself what was happening. Of course, that was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And what Isaiah saw is the fact that Jesus willingly gave his life 
for my sin and for your sin. And I just want to say this morning, what a Savior. Oh, He loves you this morning. He crucified. He was crucified for you. But not only was He crucified, He was also mocked. Look with me at verses uh, 29 through 32. Uh, verse, verse 29, they were mocking Jesus. They were ridiculing Him. And those who passed by blasphemed Him. They were wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also mocking among themselves with the scribes said, He saved others. Himself He cannot save. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. Even those who were crucified with him, reviled him. They were mocking him, making fun of him. And, and I believe that those that were passing by that we see in this passage were citizens of Jerusalem. And probably, you know, they were part of the mob that even cried out, crucify him. And they, they stayed there and they watched and they mocked him. They blasphemed him. The, the false information they had likely gotten from the religious authorities. We saw this morning in our uh, follow Jesus groups, a portion of scripture in Matthew chapter 26 where the high priests and the scribes they had this secret meeting and they used deceit and trickery because they wanted you know, to, 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 to arrest Jesus and have Jesus killed they, they, they hated Jesus and so ultimately he was apprehended and he was arrested and then he was crucified nailed to a cross and those religious leaders got what they want. And here they were. They were rubbing it in. They were mocking him and, and, and criticizing him. Jesus was accused of blasphemy. He is now the object of blasphemy. And they, they made the reference to the temple. Based on the first time Jesus cleared the temple. You remember that? Some think Jesus walked around with a smile on his face all the time. And just... just uh, you know, just put up with anything. But the reality was, he, he came to the temple and there they were, the money changers. They were buying and selling and they were jacking up the prices for, for animal sacrifices so high that there were those that couldn't worship. And Jesus ran them out of there with whips and told them that his father's house will be a house of prayer. And, and so uh, the temple reference was based on when he, cleaned, when he cleansed the temple. He cleared the temple. But the temple that Jesus meant was his body, not the actual building in Jerusalem. That, that, he, would, uh, that he would die and be raised up in, in, in three days. But look with me in verse, uh, verse 31 of Mark chapter uh, 15. Likewise, chief priests also mocking among themselves with the scribes said he saved others. Himself he cannot save. Save others is a reference from the chief priests and the scribes. Obviously, they were mocking Jesus. They rejected him as their Messiah. They didn't believe. And they believed that the Messiah would come and save his people from the tyranny of the Romans. That, that's what they were looking for. They weren't looking for this Jesus. They were looking for, the, for a political power. They were, they were looking for, for a, a warrior that would come and overthrow the Romans. Yet, you know, surely he would save his people. He, he, he can save others, and why don't he save his... He can't even save himself. And so they're mocking and ridiculing and rejection of who Jesus claimed to be. So if he, he would just come down from the cross, they said, we'll believe. What they didn't get was Jesus dying on the cross was providing salvation for our sin. And the last thing that we need Jesus to do was to come off that cross. And yet they didn't get it. And they said... 
They mocked him and they ridiculed him and said, let him come off. He can't even save himself. If he could save himself and come off that cross, we'll believe. And yet they didn't understand that had he come off the cross, there would be none that could be saved. Also, had Jesus, um, you know, come down uh, and, and not remain on the cross, then, uh, then he would not have been fulfilling the Father's plan. And I'm telling you this morning, that's the only way to salvation. The only bridge to God is Jesus. And he willingly laid down his life and was crucified. There were those that were mocking him. Even those, the Bible tells us here in verse 32, or verse 35, even those that were crucified with him at that time, they were ridiculing him as well. And while they blasphemed and while they mocked him, all that they were doing, Jesus was dying for their sin. They just didn't see it. If they'd only believe, Jesus was dying for them, that they might be saved. So Jesus was crucified, and he was also mocked, but he was also forsaken. Look at me in verse uh, 33. Now when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama, sabachthani, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I just want you to understand something with me for a moment. There were those that, you, you talk about being alone, I can't imagine how lonely our Lord and Savior must have felt when he is dying on the cross, sacrificing himself, enduring the, the cross, the shame and, and the cross. He was totally innocent and pure, yet he is being crucified like a common criminal. And he's dying for the sin of the world, and yet those around him, they mocked him and ridiculed him. And the, the ones being crucified with him mocked him and ridiculed him. And now, this sixth hour, which is about three o'clock in the afternoon, darkness covered the whole land. Imagine that, three o'clock. You remember the uh, the eclipse that we had not too long ago, a few years ago, was it not just kind of a, it, it, was, it was just a, an eerie feeling when here we are, I think it was two in the afternoon, and yet the street lights began to come on. It had gotten, it had gotten like dusk, and, and it was just a, it got cooler. You remember how cool it got just for a moment, and, and we were sitting out in the, in the yard with, I remember the, uh, me and the kids were out there, we were watching this, and, and uh, it was incredible. But I'm talking about a darkness here. Uh, it, and Jesus was taking on the sins of the world. And the darkness that, that took over the whole land. In Scripture, darkness symbolized evil and was sometimes a prelude to divine judgment. Jesus was the sole depository of all the sin of the world, past, present, and future. And the judgment of God, He, he struck His own Son for the sin of the world. And, and, and even uh, the Father forsook His Son during that moment. A holy God had to look away for the sin that Jesus was taking on at that moment. Oh, thank the Lord for the Lord Jesus and how He was willing to take my sin and your sin. And He paid it all on the cross. And this darkness covered the land. And Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, it should have been you and me 
But Jesus willingly took our place. He endured the shame, the punishment for our sin, and now darkness fell over the land in the middle of the afternoon. I just can't imagine what that would have been like as that happened. Darkness fell over the land. I, I believe probably when that happened, the, I believe the mocking and the criticism, I believe it probably all stopped for, for that moment. Jesus taking on your sin and mine. And he cried out, Why have you forsaken me? The Father turned away. Jesus had not given up his trust in the Father. The question, why, means for what purpose? And of course the answer must be because that is how salvation of the world is going to be gained. There's no other way. And we know that, that Jesus was not only fully God, but he was fully human. And there in the Garden of Gethsemane, as he's thinking about what he was about to do, in taking the cup of the wrath and judgment of God, he cried out, if there's another way, let this cup pass from me. But yet, he concluded, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. He surrendered willingly to the Father's plan and, and died in my place and in your place. And the purpose was for the salvation of the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Oh, I'm so thankful that Jesus saves this morning. Just, just imagine as he took on the sin of the world and the darkness in the middle of the afternoon overtook the land. Forsaken in included everything that he endured. Jesus, he endured it all. He paid it all. Everything. Jesus didn't lose his relationship with the, with the Father as the Son of God, even as he endured the penalty of sin. I just can't imagine. Let's just, let's, just try to, let's just try to go back some 2,000 years ago. Were you there when he died on that cross? Not physically, but we were very much there because he died for you. And I believe had you been the only one, he would have died for you. When he was on the cross, you were on his mind. And in a verse that the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.21, I think explains this as clear as it could be explained. For he made him, talking about Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Oh, praise his name. He knew no sin, yet he, became, he, he, he took on sin for us. The darkness of the land. I just can't imagine what it must have been like to be there as Jesus was crucified and as he was forsaken even of the Father. Why? For your sin and mine, for the sin of the world. Now look at verse, uh, verse 35 with me. Some of those who stood by when they heard that said, Look, he's calling for Elijah. Then someone ran and filled a sponge full of sour wine and put it on a reed offered it to him to drink, saying, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to take him down. It's understandable that Jesus' cry, Eli, Eli, Lama Sabachthani, especially in excruciating pain, as he was enduring 
the, the cross and the judgment of God that it could sound like he was crying out for Elijah, which is what they thought was happening. So they looked on and they waiting to see, let's see if Elijah will come and rescue him. They were thinking that he's not willingly enduring this and that he's crying out for help for somebody to rescue him. Once again, they were wrong. And I'm glad that Elijah, nor 10,000 angels that Jesus could have summoned to rescue him, came and rescued him from the cross. He willingly stayed on the cross, and those nails didn't hold him there. His love for you and me kept him on that cross. He could have, he could have come off that cross. He could have just thought it, and everybody at the cross could have just perished right there, disintegrated. He could have done whatever he pleased. He's God. But he stayed on that cross. Jesus saves. Isn't that wonderful news this morning? Just like the, the song says, The cross meant to kill is my victory. The cross meant to kill is your victory. And only the cross meant to kill can be our victory this morning. Jesus had refused this. If you notice here, I believe it's in verse 36, this, um, this sour wine. Uh, back in verse 23, uh, Jesus had refused a, a drugged wine, if you will, to help with the pain. He, he refused that. And now here in verse 36, he was offered this sour wine, which is basically vinegar, which was the cheap, everyday beverage of, of the common people. And, and so they, they offered it. The, the only way that they could get it to Jesus was to soak it on a sponge. And they put it on a stick, and they raised it to Jesus because he was high and lifted up on the cross. This actually fulfilled another prophecy in Psalm 69 and verse 21. They also gave me gall for my food, and for my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. I don't think that would be much help for him anyway. And they offered him this sour drink. Jesus endured God's wrath as our sin bearer. That's what perpetuation means. He is our propitiation. It's a doctrine, doctrinal word. And that just simply means that He took on the sin of the world. Your sin and mine. The sin of the world. Going all the way back to Adam and Eve, the beginning, all the way through. Jesus endured it all. But let me ask you a question, a personal question this morning. Have you come to the place in your life in which you received Jesus as the one who bore your sins when he died for you on the cross. Has there ever been a time in your life when you placed your faith in Jesus and said, I believe, I believe that my sin separates me from God and I have no hope. I can't save myself. I can't be good enough. I believe that Jesus died in my place and I trust in Jesus to forgive me of my sin. There's no other way. Have you ever made that decision in your life? If not, why not right now? Place your faith in Jesus right now. I encourage you right now. Make the greatest, most powerful decision you'll ever make in your life. Turn from your sin and turn to Christ. Trust Him as your Lord and Savior. God loves you with an everlasting love that was demonstrated right here on the cross that we're looking at. He loves you this morning. Have you dealt with your sin? Have you trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior? You, you might say, well, Mark, i got some things in my life i got to get changed and turned around before I do that. No. That's the whole reason Jesus died is because we could spend the rest of our life trying to be good enough 
and we'd fail miserably. The Bible even says that the most righteousness of man is as filthy rags to the Lord. We could never do it on our own. If we could do it, why would Jesus have come and died on the cross like he did? We could never do it. Don't wait. Don't delay. Trust him. And he'll cleanse us with his own precious blood and do what we could never do. Make us right with God. Today, let today be the day of salvation. So Jesus was forsaken there on the cross. But praise God, verses 37 through 39. Not only was Jesus crucified and mocked and forsaken, he was also victorious. Praise the Lord for the victory. The Apostle Paul says, thanks be to God for the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. He has victory. There might be those that might think victory, he, he's going to die on the cross. We'll see that here. He, he, he's going to give up his last breath and die. It looks to me like he lost. Well, let, let's look at this here in verse, uh, verse 37. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and what? Breathed his last. Well, he lost, right? He, he died. Well, then notice what happened in verse 38. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that he had cried out like this and breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the Son of God. Many Bible students suggest that the loud voice that Jesus cried out with indicates that Jesus' strength had remained with him until the last moment. And I believe that. I believe that, that his strength remained I believe that he could have come off that cross and he could have done whatever he wanted to do as God, but he didn't. He willingly endured the cross for you and me. And like a long-distance runner, Jesus ran strong until he crossed the finish line. What I'm trying to say is he went all the way for you this morning. He could have stopped it. When, they, when he was walking up carrying the cross and he couldn't carry it anymore, that would have been an ample time to say, this is enough of this. I'm God. I don't deserve this. And he would have been right. He is God. He didn't deserve it. But he went all the way, and he crossed the finish line. You know, those of you here that I pray that have never trusted Christ, or the Lord is dealing with your heart right now to deal with your sin and trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The only way to be saved is to trust Jesus and what he did for you to ask forgiveness of your sin and believe that He died for you. That's the only way to be saved. There's, there's no other way. You don't get saved because you want to go to heaven. You don't get saved because you don't want to go to hell. You get saved because you know that you're lost and you're, your sin separates you from God. And you believe Jesus died in your place. And we must place our faith in Christ in order to be saved. And Jesus went all the way that we might be saved. So I'm praying that someone here this morning, right here and now, will place your faith in Christ and be saved. For those of you that, that know that you're saved and you've trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, the reason that we keep pressing on each and every day for Jesus, we find it right here. I mean, our motive as believers to finish strong, God has a course that He has mapped out for us. Just like I love cross country and it's coming up as a fall sport. And... Um, and Coach Canterbury at the high school, he's already, got, he's already had one event. He's got the cross-country course mapped out. And, and you think about that course, those, those runners 
they, they get on that course and they run that course and, and it's a tough course. I promise you, by the time that, you, that it makes the loop through the, the soccer field, you've already made it around the, the school and, and you've already climbed that hill right there at the, the entrance of the school once and you, you go around through the softball and baseball field and work your way around to the soccer field and you got two miles behind you and then you run by the football stadium and you come down to the bottom of the hill and guess what you got to find? There's a hill. <laughs> and I told Coach Canterbury, I said, my goodness, I said, after running two miles, the last thing I wanted to see was that I have to climb that hill again and come back around. And he said, that's the point. That's called home field advantage right there. And so our, our runners, I mean, they run that course. If anybody gets off the course, they don't finish the race. They don't get credit for finish the, finishing the race. And I wonder about those maybe five years ago. You know, they were, you saw them in church and they were, they, they were, you know, they, they, they served God and they faithful. They will want to worship God. But at some point they got out of the race. And, and you know, I saw where COVID has, has, has caused a percentage, about a third or so of those that once were churchgoers. It, it caused them to get out of church. And, and the, 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 uh, the numbers are showing that they're not coming back to church. And, and you think about that, getting out of the race. Why would we get out of the race, especially when we look at our Lord and Savior who finished strong and he, he finished the course that the Father had planned for him so that you and I would be saved? Why do we stay in the race? Why do we not? It's not about, a lot of times we have our reasons. I promise you a lot of the reasons that, that we can come up with for, for not staying faithful to the Lord and not serving God, the Holy Spirit didn't give you those reasons. And so what happens is, you know, maybe we got our feelings hurt or, or whatever it might be and things didn't go like we wanted. By the way, I, I, I saw something last week that I think is exactly true. You don't know a per person's spiritual maturity until they don't get their way. And when they don't get their way, you see the real person. And, and here I think about, here, here is Jesus and he's on the cross and he even cried out, a prior, if there's another way, let this cup pass from me. But he endured the cross and he despised the shame and he died in my place and yours and he crossed the finish line. And you and I as believers should be no different. Don't quit on God. You remember what Jesus said? If you take your hand from the plow and you look back, you're not worthy of the kingdom of God. And if you're a true believer, genuine believer in Christ, you're going to endure to the end. You're going to finish strong. I don't know about you, but I want to finish the race. Oh, there'll be some hard climbs and there'll be some pains in the knee and, and um, there'll, there'll be some difficulties and, and it'll be hard, the hot sun, the humidity, all of that stuff. But I want to keep pressing on in Jesus' name. I don't want to get out of the race. And our motive for finishing is to look to the author and the finisher of our faith. Let's stay in the race. Have you gotten out of the race? Maybe there was a time when you were in the race or you were running an effective race, but that's no longer the case. Well, let's get back. Let's get back on course and let's finish strong. Let's not get out. And then after crying out with a loud voice, Jesus died. He breathed his last. There's one translation. King James says he gave up the ghost. I'm sure the devil thought that he won. But Jesus went all the way, paid the price for our sin in full so he didn't lose. He won in great victory over sin, death, hell, and the grave. And I'm glad he did. He died willingly for my sin and for yours. And then we notice something happened the moment that Jesus died. The thick, heavy veil of the temple 
that separated us from the holiest place, representing God's presence. Matter of fact, on the day of Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement, every year the high priest would go in to the, what's called the Holy of Holies. And only the high priest was permitted to go in. And that veil said for others to stay out. You don't, you're not worthy. You can't go into the Holy of Holies. And if the high priest didn't spiritually cleanse himself and prepare himself for entering that Holy of Holy place where he would go in, he would have access as the high priest and he would offer a, a, a blood offering the lamb, he would slain the lamb and he would make that, that atonement for the sin of the people. And Josephus, a Jewish historian, uh, says that he, on, his, on his priestly garb, his high priestly garb, he would have bells. And, and they, would, they would tie a rope to the high priest. And as the high priest, you could hear the bells, the high priest was applying the blood for the sin of the people. And as long as you heard the bells, the blood was being applied and it was music to their ears to know that they were being made right with God as the blood was applied. But if you, if you didn't hear the bells, you better not dare go in there and try to help because you would be struck dead as well. They would pull him out by that rope. And so, this holy... This holiest of holy place once said stay out but something happened when Jesus died it's not the blood of lamb and goats and bulls any, anymore it's the spotless lamb of God the Lord Jesus Christ and John the Baptist the forerunner of Jesus when he saw Jesus he said behold the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world John the Baptist understood why Jesus came and he came and he willingly sacrificed himself. No longer will the, the temple and the sacrificial system be needed anymore. Notice what happened. This thick, heavy veil that once said, stay out. You don't have access into the very presence of God. Now was torn. But notice how it was torn. It was torn from what? Top to bottom. It wasn't man that ripped it. It was an act of God. And what God was saying once, that thick, heavy veil that said, stay out. When Jesus shed his blood and sacrificed himself for my sin and yours, now God says, you have access. And from top to bottom, that thick, heavy veil was torn and, and it was ripped by God himself. It made it clear that no longer would the temple and its sacrificial system be considered the way to approach God. And in Acts chapter 6 and verse 7, Jewish priests became believers. They witnessed this. Imagine as they were going about their priestly duties, and all of a sudden this happened. It's an act of God. And, 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 and you think about what the Father said about the Son when Jesus was baptized. Truly, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Yes, He's well pleased. And when He sacrificed Himself and shed His blood for our sin, then you and I, we, we can then have access to God. That bridge we talked about earlier, we have a bridge to God, and it's Jesus. Imagine those priests there in the temple. The time, the splitting of this curtain, this veil, when Jesus died on the cross. Now, through faith in Jesus, you and I as believers have direct access to God. What a victory. These priests weren't the only ones to believe. 
Notice in verse 39. Look at this. This Roman centurion. I mean, day after day. There's no telling how many crucifixions that he played a part in. And, and I'm sure probably it numbed him. You know, it just it got to where it was a job. And, and it probably didn't mean a whole lot anymore. This is a human life, but you know what? This is my job. And so they, they nailed him to the cross and they crucified him. That's what a Roman centurion did. But there's something different about this crucifixion. There's something different. I believe this centurion was probably one of the ones that hit Jesus. You know, and, and that helped pull the... Uh, Pluck, the, pluck his beard out and put the crown of thorns on his side and they whipped him with the cat of nine tails. Every time that, that, uh, that tail hit his back, it pulled flesh out as they ripped it. Uh, back and forth, I'm sure this, this Roman centurion probably mocked Jesus, but something happened and it, and it registered with him. And I believe it's the Holy Spirit of God that allowed the Roman centurion to see the truth of who this man is. And so the Roman centurion came to the conclusion and he made a statement of faith, surely. This man was the Son of God. Whew, what a Savior. Jesus will change you like anything in this world. If you'll trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you'll never be the same. I don't believe this Roman centurion was ever the same. You can't be the same once you come to know Jesus. But the question is, what about you this morning? Have you placed your faith in Jesus by trusting Jesus and what He did for you in your place for your sin on the cross? You know, my question is, are you right with God right now? If you were to die right now, would you have eternal life in heaven? Do you have that assurance? Jesus is the only way, and the centurion got it right. Maybe this morning, maybe you can get it right. Is God speaking to your heart? Trust Him this morning. He's the best friend you got. Whatever it is God's leading you to do, trust Him. He, he'll not lead you astray. Believe on the Lord Jesus. I'm going to ask every head bowed and every eye closed. Our musicians are coming. I ask, please, uh, I, I, don't, no movement. Don't go to the restroom or whatever. This is such a time right here, such a powerful moment right here. Imagine with me the perfect Son of God remaining on the cross as darkness filled the land in the middle of the afternoon. Many mocked and hurled insults at Jesus while He was dying for the very ones that mocked Him. But if they would only believe, if they would only see the truth, Jesus gave his life and went all the way until he cried out with a loud voice and he gave up his life and died for you and me. He won the battle when he paid the price for our sin that we could never pay. Have you confessed your faith in Jesus like the Roman centurion? Truly, this man was the Son of God. What a Savior. The good news is, Jesus saves. Will you trust Him this morning? You've got to receive. Salvation is a gift from God. We must take it. We must receive it. Will you take the gift of salvation that God has for you this morning and receive Him as your Lord and Savior? I pray that you, I pray that you will right now. I would love to pray with you and talk with you. Share with me if you trusted Christ this morning. It's real simple. Just simply pray. If you have that desire in your heart, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but I believe that you're my Savior. And you came and willingly died in my place for my sin. And I ask you to forgive me for my sin. I trust in you. Thank you for saving me. Now help me to surrender and live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Now, I want to encourage you in just a moment when you stand. I want you to come. If you prayed that, come and share it with me. Let me know. That's a great decision. I want to rejoice and celebrate with you this morning. I want to ask you to stand together as, as Donna leads us. Will you come right now? Come share with me if you trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior. You believe in Jesus. I hope you'll do that. As Donna leads, I hope you'll come. Share with us this morning. I just encourage you right now, every head bowed and every eye closed once again, this is your time alone with God. And I just ask you to just ask the Lord, what do I need to do right now? And whatever He reveals, I pray that you will do it. Trust Him this morning. It might be salvation. Jesus saves. What a wonderful news. If you've prayed to receive Him, you're saved this morning. Come and share it with us. We want to celebrate with you. might be here this morning and you think about how Jesus went all the way. He finished the course. How are you running your race right now? Maybe you've kind of gotten off the course a little bit. Let's get back on the course this morning. Let's unite together as a family of believers that, that trust Jesus and let's, let's run well for Him this morning. What is it this morning that God might be speaking to you about? Maybe this morning the Lord's speaking to you about serving Him. And maybe you want to go visit the Acts table this morning. Commit. Let's finish strong for Him today. Would you commit to that? They're going to play through with one other verse. Whatever you need to do, I encourage you to come. Thank you so much for being here today and aren't you thankful that Jesus saves I think about that hymn you know Jesus saves 
uh, spread to sinners far and wide. You know, the, the greatest news. I've heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves. That's the greatest news this morning. I pray that we'll share that with others. Uh, we'll not be silent about our faith in Jesus. I mean, if you've got a circle of people that don't want to hear about your Jesus, you need a new circle. And, and, and let's, let's not be silent about our faith because there's people that we go to school with and people that you work with and people in our community, they need to hear it. They need to see it. They need to hear about Jesus. And, and, um, and let's, let's not be silent. Let's find out, well, how can I pray with you? You know, I, I'm a person of prayer. I, I, I've seen God answer prayer, and I want to pray with you. Those are conversations that I pray that we will be uh, having this week. And um, who's your one? We've been focused on that for the past year or so. And is there someone that you're currently praying for that uh, you're looking for an opportunity to share Christ with? You could be the best friend they got, pointing them to the way, the truth, and the life, the Lord Jesus. So um, I pray that we'll do that this week, and I'm praying for you. I pray that you have a wonderful week this week. Remember that tonight we'll be over at Eastside. Um, Don Smith Jordan is a, um, is a former Miss Liberty, a former Miss South Carolina, also uh, Miss America runner-up, I believe, and, um, and, and she has a, a powerful testimony she'll be sharing tonight. So come on and join us over there. It'll be good fellowship with, with, uh, with brothers and sisters in Christ, and so I hope you'll come and, and be with us. And, and then Wednesday night. Uh, come on back. We had a great night Wednesday night, a good number on Wednesday night, and I don't want you to miss it. I hope you'll come and join us for prayer meeting, and, of course, our kids and students meet as well on Wednesday night. And uh, I hope you have a wonderful day, and uh, God bless each of you, of you, and I'm so thankful that Jesus saves. Donna, if you'll dismiss us.